Welcome to Standing in Her Power Global. I am your host, Penny Sophocles. In this podcast, I speak to unique and interesting women to hear their stories and their individual approaches to life and work. Each one offers living examples of how women are evolving our society for the better. They demonstrate what they can do, you can do too. Hello everyone, good day. I'm Penny Sophocles and I'm recording this video interview today under our banner of Standing in Her Power. And I'm really delighted to welcome Lara Belzera. I first met Lara 15 years ago, amazing, amazingly enough. And we've become very strong friends, even though we haven't seen each other for many years now in the physical world. She's been traveling the world. And rather than me introduce her, I would very much like to ask her to introduce herself. But firstly, just to sort of say a few words, Standing in Her Power is really, this is a series of videos that I'm doing with what I consider to be some of the most powerful women I've ever worked with or known of in my career. And they've made a great impact in the world by their life and their stance in the workplace and the impact that they've had on people around them. And so I'm interested to hear their thinking, their worldview, and what has really made them the people that they are. Because I think as women, we're always looking for role models of the kind of women that we could be and the kind of things that we would like to achieve in our lives. So, Laura, welcome. Thank you, Penny. It's a Um, pleasure to be here. (laughs) Thank you. So perhaps you could introduce yourself and tell our audience some things about yourself and your career. Mm, Great, Penny. Thank you a lot. Yeah, we met each other in 2004 and it was like right now it's 15 years and it was exactly in the middle more or less of my career because I had 27 years of executive work. So a little before you, I was in Brazil and I was, I think, a simple woman who wanted to do something to have a nice job, to get married and have a normal life. But I started by the end working in Bayer in 1996, I think. Yes. And then Bayer was the first company that sent me abroad. So with Bayer, I started an expat career. And funny enough, it was a German company, European company, where everybody advised me not to go to this company because it was a very like a male European company that a young female Latin woman would not be able to succeed. But by the end, it was in Bayer where I learned so many things and people trusted me and I was able to kind of open many doors for other women in the future also. So when we met, I was in Hungary. It was 2003. Before this, I was in Germany and Portugal with Bayer also. In Hungary, it was the first job that I had leading people was when they sent you to coach me to do better my work and I have to tell Penny that because of your coaching, I became the leader that I became because you just kind of formed me in the direction that I was already formed as a human being. Because my mother 
there are so many similarities of the way that you coached me and the way that my mother raised me. And I went to this path of leading from the heart, believing in human beings and believing in myself. And these opened doors that were very beautiful for me. So in Hungary, I was also part of the association of the pharmaceutical companies. And then after Hungary, I went to Mexico, where I was VP of sales and marketing for Latin America. And then after this, I went to Venezuela, where I was president, executive president of Bayer Venezuela, the corporation. There also, I was the first female to have this position in Bayer in Latin America. And I was also then in the association, the Chamber of Commerce, Venezuela and Germany. I was the first female president to be elected. So there were lots of positions that I had that I was the first female. After these, then Roche headhunted me in Venezuela. And then I became the GM in Venezuela for Rush and myself and another colleague that is Priya, we were the first females also to be general managers for Latin countries in Rush. And then after this, I went to India, where you know my story that I was there and I was in India. I wanted to work completely different and I was allowed to do. And it was super nice because I work at believing in human beings, believing in other people that wanted the same vision of helping patients. So this is kind of long, but not exhaustive <laughs> summary of my career. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty impressive story. I think, you know, even at the most minimal description of it that you've given, Lara. I know that you've broken a lot of ceilings, as they say, you know, you've broken the glass ceiling and you've achieved a great deal for women in any role that you've played for Bayer and Roche and also in the countries that you've operated. So I'm sure that you've acted as a very powerful role model for women that have worked around you. Thank you very much for going there. I would really like to ask you some questions about where you started. You sort of said this, actually, when you were in your teens, the vision that you had about your life and what you might achieve didn't seem to be so big. You said you wanted to have a normal life. So what projections were you making when you were in your teens? So it is funny, Penny, because I think that very different from the way that you were raised. I know that you had lots of challenges for you to become who you are today. My parents... I see no difference between my brother and myself. So we hadn't absolutely, so we could do anything. So my mother was a Japanese female. Yes. And she graduated in medicine and she did med school and then she did other courses also. Although she was raised in this Japanese family where, of course, the men are much more praised at that period even more. But she was raised differently in Brazil, and we also were raised different. So my mother, it was like we had this contrast of my father being a Brazilian that had to fight a lot to become a medical doctor. He came from a very humble family, and my mother had lots of things that she could take from her parents, Mm -hmm. like culture or even the wealth and many things. But then she was always telling that she wanted me to be happy. And my father used to tell, whatever you do, you have to be the best. So it was kind of, you know, sometimes it was like, okay, so I can only be happy if I am the best. 
Right. And for a long time, this was kind of given. So right. everything that I was doing, I had to do to be the best. And if there was something that I thought that I would not be the best, I thought two times and I thought, okay, let's see where I would do much better. <laughs> so somehow I was raised in a way, it was competition, but it was much more to know what I am good at and try to strive in that area and finding happiness. So I was very fortunate to have this kind of, and it was like, I didn't need anything material to be happy. So wow. happiness was different. Happiness was kind of being together with family, being with friends, doing well, feeling that you are valued, mm -hmm. that you are able to add value on things that you are doing. So when I started my career and when I was like very young, for me, although I was ambitious and I wanted to have a good job, at that time I wanted to also be a medical doctor. And I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. It's like, so it's like, I wanted to, but for me, it was much more like to be like my parents because they always had patients that were so grateful to them and seeing the people so happy, thanking them for what they did for their lives. So this whole life that I was raised that I thought that this was the reality and my vision At that time, how I projected my life was a life that I would have a family, I would have a job that I like, I would make my parents proud, and I would be proud. So somehow, I didn't have like, I want, I don't know how many cars, I want so many promotions, I want, so it was a much bigger picture that I had. And right. whatever would come, I wanted to make this work. I don't know if I express myself well. But it was much more of not the what, but the how. The how, the how. And do, do, do you remember whether you, you seem to be saying that success for you was doing something well and being happy? And, and was, that was the only, seemed to be the only criteria of what success would look like. If you, if you, look, at, if you look at your life to date, do you think that, that you were successful against that criteria or do you feel that your criteria for success has evolved over the years? Completely. <laughs> so I, I, I have to tell that what brought unhappiness to my life is to try to be the best in anything. Mm. Uh, because there was a point that um, nothing was enough. Because, of course, there are always people that are better than you. Right. Yeah. And if you are always looking who is better than you or who is worse than you, you will be miserable from both sides. So then it was a period that I started to introspect a lot. And it was when I was in Hungary. And, and you helped this journey. Probably you do not know, but I have to tell that you helped this journey a lot. Because at that period, I remember that my mother gave me this book, The Servant. Oh, that, yes. that, that basically is that leadership is love. And the way that you were also guiding me, it was like, uh, I was 32 years old, Penny. And I was like, it was general manager of pharma in Hungary. I had never had anybody reporting to me. And suddenly, suddenly I was general manager of a company in another country while 
my goals was I wanted to be probably a marketing manager in Brazil for Bayer. And I never aspired for anything more than this. I was okay. And suddenly I was there. So professionally, super successful. But then I started to think, is this exactly what I want? Mm. So my personal life was not going at the same pace as my professional life. Because it was this question of being happy, only being the best. Mm. But then suddenly I said, okay, either I changed the perspective of happiness or the perspective of best. Being best in what? So somehow I continue with this striving for excellence, but not to be the best, like I want to be the best, the, the country that sells the most. I wanted to be the best leader in the sense, not comparing to other people, but with myself and what is the value that I was adding in the lives of the people that I was leading. And somehow was like, I started to develop in Hungary, all of this spiritual learning that I started to bring to my life. And then I started a lot to think about meaning of life, meaning of work. And I was only happy when I knew that I was doing something meaningful. When I discovered this in my life and I started to try to bring this meaning to the people that were working with me, then was when I started to tell, I want to be the best bringing meaning to my people so they will be truly happy. And not this happiness that sometimes you look back and tell, oh, what I did, I lost my life doing something that it's not really meaningful. So when I started to do this, then happiness and to be the best continue to be what I strived for, but they changed completely. I changed the perspective how to see happiness and being the best. Yeah, and it sounded like you then extended being happy to everyone that worked for you. Yes. You moved from being happy yourself to actually, okay, so now I've got to make other people happy and, you know, create the environment Mm. and the circumstance that they are happy too. Yes. Fascinating. Okay. So if I ask you now to look at the projections that you made and the experiences that you've had, how many of what the experiences that you had could you ever have anticipated? And how many have been really fantastic surprises? Oh, Penny, I hope that I am not overestimating it, but I really believe that my life was much more of a surprise. And uh, because my expectations were not big. Mm. And look, if I will look back, I am now with... 50 years old, I had the opportunity to choose a new life and I had the financial freedom to start a completely new career at 50 years old. I look back and I feel that I was very successful in my previous professional life. I had complications in my personal life, but today I have my kids and my husband. I am living in the house that I would like. And more than all of these, we are talking here, you know, I am being able to try to help beyond my scope of work only. I am being able to 
try really to make an impact in other people that I never thought that I could be able to do. And I would never dream because I would, if myself, if Lara at 18 years old, somebody would tell, you will do this at 50 years old. I would tell, oh, I will have to work too much. What I have to do to arrive there. And you know, Penny, it was not, it was full of joy. It was not easy at all, but it was something that it was filled with joy. Fantastic. So actually it feels like you didn't have that big projections, but the life that you have led has made you very much bigger, but also you've had a much bigger life than you can possibly have anticipated. Mm -hmm. Yes, but let me just make a remark. Yes. Although, okay, people who know me and probably listen to me saying this. So even some teachers from the primary school, they would tell, this is not fully true. And why? Because somehow in my head, I always strived for the best. So although I didn't have ambition for me, so for example, I give you just an example. Somehow I wanted a period, I wanted to be in the Catholic church. So I wanted to be none. And a nun convinced me not to be because I would not be able to help everybody, but just people who believe in the Catholic Church. Right. But at the same time, when I discovered that being a Pope, a woman could not be a Pope, I told, why? Why a woman cannot be a Pope? Why just men can be Pope? And then, and I remember that this was something that sometimes people joke and I joke that I didn't want to be a nun because I could not be a Pope because I was a woman. (laughs) Or or I wanted to be the first woman Pope. Although I didn't have ambition, Penny, it was- You always looked to the top. It's like, yeah, because I looked to the top and I told, I have to strive for this, not because of the fame or because of the ambition, but because if this is the person who will be helping the other people and- the maximum that you can go to help people is being a Pope. I want to be there. The maximum that you have is to be a president to help people. I want to be a president. So places that I would not be able to go there. First, why can't I be there? Second, why should I be there? If I would not be able to be there helping people as others, because I should have the same chance. So I just wanted to make this remark because my ambition was different. It was not because I wanted to be for the sake of being. I looked the best and I wanted to be there because I knew that there is the place that you can help or that you can do something for anything. So I I want to make people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It sounds like it wasn't something that you put into you, it was something that was innate in you. It was either very good programming on your father's part, or it was totally innate in you, and it naturally sparked when it had the opportunity. I think that it was a good programming for my mother and my father together, this diversity. And that's <laughs> why the diversity is so important. Yes. Because yes. they both wanted something completely different. Right. And I found a way to do both. Right. You know, it's not either or. No, no. How, however, both. you can't give the credit for what you have actually done to your mother and father. They laid the seed 
and you know what you've made of your life is really yours and your and I was a good student you're a good student yeah <laughs> but boy were you not yes. just a student you were you know a life uh, practitioner in, yes, in, yes in all of those areas so if I was to ask you about the journey that you've made what would you say were the kind of prime or key turning points for or either the key turning points or the kind of accomplishment points for you okay so i think that one accomplishment point was going to hungary as a general manager of farmadeer because for me it was like given that if you do a good work you would be recognized and you would like have the job but at the same time i knew how difficult it was and at that time when my boss believed in me 32 years old a latin that was working in germany and it was like there were lots of men there but he trusted in me so i think that what i would tell that changed completely my life was having a person that it was a german he was 60 years old and he was retiring and he chose me to take care of a country that it was in a very important moment that had to change many things it was in a transition point this belief made me believe in myself and made me start to see things differently and then a very big commitment and responsibility started to come right and then i was also afraid to disappoint was one point that came with it and it is the price of it but at the other point the commitment that i had to this boss and as i grew older my appreciation for this boss was increasing hugely because at that time against all the odds he believed in me right but this was something that's why for me penny today one of the things that i praise the most and i work with all the leaders when i am helping them to develop i tell one thing that you have is that you have to believe in absolutely everybody that is working with you you have to extend this trust this is the only way yes. yes yes yeah and if you extend trust then it builds trust in the person that you're extending trust to yes okay. yes yeah, very good okay so that's a great lesson and that was a great point anything else that stands out in your mind in terms of the kind of peaks of accomplishment or the the yes Yeah. I think that another realization that was very important for me is that there is no work life balance. I mean every time that I wanted to find work life balance I was miserable. Right. And each time that my life was my work and my work was my life not in terms that my work is just what I do. No. My family yes. loves my work and understands why i am doing what i am doing and in my work they understand how important my family is for me so the priorities are parallel you don't have to have one first priority you can have your first a and first b priority that is your family and your work and you will be shifting between them as you need but then you have to have a very good network of support in the work that where vulnerability comes that you tell i will need your help in the work because there are times that i will need to be there for my family being them my parents being them my brother my siblings my partner or my kids but 
here you guys have to help me in the work mm -hmm. and I trust you, I trust you that when I will show the vulnerability to show the fragility that I need help here in the work because I have to focus in my family, you guys will have my back. At the same time in the family, when I need that time, because you know why I choose this work and you know that I love my team, that I have to do for them the same that I do for you guys, my family. So we are a team here also in the family and you back me up when I will need to spend more time far away from the family and even children. So not for the mothers that are traveling a lot, for example, not to I bring a gift so my children will like that I travel because I come back and I give a gift. No, it's to tell the children, I am doing this because when you will grow up, mainly the, the girls, when you will grow up, you will want to have a husband and a family that supports you. Mommy is traveling because... I love my job and I am doing good for other people. And I want to be the example for you guys because you have to do the same. But the time that I am with you, I am with you fully. So if I will summarize this is that my life, when my life became a life balance. Right. And I was vulnerable in both my spheres, mm. professional and private. And my purpose was clear for both because I wanted to help people. Mm. And then I had my network of support in both sides for me to excel in both sides was exactly when also I had my second shift in my happiness and success because I was not blaming myself to be too far away from the job because I was watching a presentation of my kids or I didn't feel bad with my kids that I was traveling for my work. So this was the second very important realization, Penny. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that's a phenomenal position to come to. And it's the position that not many leaders come to, that actually that you can have an integrated life and that mm -hmm. your work is part of your purpose of being here and your family is part of your purpose of being here so that you are one person and that you give your time and life to different things and that you create support systems inside both so that both can value each other even when you're with either one of them. So, I mean, I think that's quite a unique perspective that you've created because I coach many leaders and not many leaders can come to that kind of realization. Mm -hmm. I think many men come to this perspective faster or quicker or easier, but I don't mm -hmm. think many women have come to, there's often been this kind of conflict of being yeah. to be there or there. And, uh, it's the guilty. They start to be guilt about yeah. doing it. And no women should be guilty yes. of doing both. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, well, guilt in anyone is not a good thing to have. So that's brilliant. So was there a third very important accomplishment or realization that you have won through your experience? Well, from what I can recall right now, I think that these two were the most important ones. And if I would have just to complement this would be just when I understood that spirituality or meaning or purpose or whatever you call mm. has to be part of your life in the work and at home. Right. So if I could tell that this is something that would come together with the second realization and also the first realization, life balance, kind of uh, 
life balance, I think that comes together a lot with you having a very clear purpose. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and having this spirituality. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I really believe that things became clear for me. They didn't become easier or they didn't flow as everybody would think. But the clarity brought to me a very clear path. Right. So I could see when I was not in the path and I could see when I had to go to another direction. Right. So I think that always coming back to your purpose. Why are you here? Why are you doing this? So having a very clear, living an intentional life. Right. Absolutely. Now, I like those words, living an intentional life. And that's been in you from when I met you in Hungary in 2004. So definitely, and those some of the conversations we had was all around, you know, your purpose and the meaning of what you were doing. So if I was to ask you then on the other side of that, if you look back at your career, what would you say was the biggest disappointment? Oh, the biggest disappointment. I think that all of my biggest disappointments were exactly the opposite as my what I told that it was my first accomplishment or learning that my boss believed in me and then I could do everything. I think my disappointments were when bosses didn't understand what I was doing. Right. So it is very difficult for you to live an intentional life and work with spirituality, believe in people. If you work in a multinational company and you are working directly with somebody that is very, very much numbers driven and it's very much like driven on with pure results mm. because then because normally the way that I work takes a little longer for you to see results I was super fortunate that like uh, 98% of the people that I worked with me understood what I was telling or even if they didn't understand they gave me the chance to do it But I think that the biggest disappointments, probably I could tell that I had two disappointments in my whole professional career. Both of them were related to you having to fight to live your life the way that you believe and working the way that you believed, being forced to do things a different way without clear explanation, just for the sake of probable ambition of having a short-term result, a quicker result. So I think that these were the disappointments because I believe in human beings and I believe that absolutely everybody is able to understand what I'm doing. And I always think that people, when they understand what I am doing, they will at least let me, I don't, okay, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but understand what you want to do. So I will give you a chance and I will back you up. So many bosses told this to me, but the time that I felt that people were like trying to impose ways on my way, they took the worst out of me because I start to fight and When you are daring, I heard this morning something, I was reading something from the Tao. If you have to fight when you are daring, you are not daring anymore. Yeah. 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 Because you're engaged in something else. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You're stopped. Yes. Having to deal with the conflict. So would you say that you've encountered prejudice 
in your career of the kind of male-female kind? Look, if I would give a simple answer, it would be yes. I will give a different answer. I encountered many people that were super successful in the way that the world was in the past. People who lived in a time that everything was done in a certain way. And these people were super successful. And even if with good intention, because they wanted to change me or they wanted to teach me that my way was not the right way because they were successful. So I encountered, yes, Penny, many people that try to give me advice and try to change me because their way was successful for 20, 30 years. And this, I think that what I see today is that prejudice is nothing more of you trying to do things as you did in the past and as you are used to, and you do not go out of your comfort zone. And sometimes when we arrived, people that do things differently, we have also to have this consciousness that is difficult for people to understand you. This is not an excuse to accept or to conform, but this is a realization that helps you to be less frustrated and be more perseverant and to have more resilience. Sure, sure. Yeah, I can never see that you were ever stopped or could believe that you would be stopped. (laughs) But I could see that you might encounter this kind of prejudice or worldview that was very different to yours. And how did you find that you coped with it or you handled it when you encountered it? So there were two times that I could not handle it. And then it was one time that I changed my first company and the second time that I changed my career. So these two times I could not cope with it. And maybe one, I could not cope with it. And the other one, probably the other person could not cope with it. So it was two times that not. But in 27 years, like 50 years, it was only two times. Right. Because all the other, it was a question of patience. Patience is a virtue. Mm. And I learned something that, and it was after lots of mistakes, First, you try to understand the person. Mm. If you try to understand the person, the person will understand you. Mm. So if you are trying to make a point, the first step is to understand the point of the other person and listen. Many times I had people telling that, okay, Lara, I just believe in you, but I do not understand what you are doing. I cannot understand what you were telling. But from my heart, I know that I have to follow you. These were the moments that I didn't feel so well. Because it is super nice for your ego, because people trust you. And, but the other side is that, what if I am not right? So these dialogues are very important. So that's why it's very important when somebody has a different opinion from you, because you have very different opinion, that you learn to listen and integrate this opinion in your opinion. But at the same time, it's like the same line when you do not give in when you know that you were right and people were just trying to change you or do things for the sake of changing. But it's very difficult when you are a woman and you are in positions that you make decisions, but you have to report these decisions. And people can lose their jobs because of this. Right, right. And when you say when you get into a situation where people are not understanding you, it doesn't feel well, 
you don't feel well. They trust you, but actually they don't really understand. It sounded like you then doubt yourself because they're trusting you, but actually because they're not understanding you, you doubt yourself. So how much of self-doubt has been a feature? And it sounded like in the two instances that you've talked about, you left that scenario. You had to leave. Firstly, you left your company and the second one, you left the career, <laughs> which seems a bit you know, extreme, but that is definitely often the route that many people will take that say, well, actually, I don't get you. You don't get me. I'm out of here. And because if you don't share the same purpose, then you, know, then you have to leave. Looking back on that now, do you think there was a different route that you could have taken? Is there something that you could have done or that you think they should have done to have created a different scenario for you? I will answer in two different ways because I think that one way is the way that I think and uh, it's more in a much bigger scenario. But another one is exactly also for other people to give advice to people when they are in this situation. And I will explain how I will (laughs) do it. So the first one is that I truly believe that there are some things in life that happen because they have to happen. The first time, if I would have not left my first job, I would not have this incredible seven years in rush. I would not. Yeah. Yeah. So it was my decision. The second time, it was not my decision. My boss asked me to leave the company because I was not being able to fulfill his expectations. Yeah. And at that moment, it's like, for me, it was also, I would never leave Roche because Roche is a company, is exactly the company that I dreamt of as a multinational, because they have purpose, they allow you to do what you would like to do as a leader, but always depends on who is your superior, always. Because Rush is so good and allows everybody to really do what they believe, and they believe in their leaders, if you have a conflict, this will always happen. So, In this situation, it was very good because I could start a new career. So in my mind, I always think that even the worst thing comes for the good. But this is my first answer. But if I would look back and tell, okay, if I wanted to continue in Bayer or in Rush, is there anything that I could do? Yes, there would be. There would be thousand things that I could do. And among them, like being more patient myself, Mm. and accepting certain things that I probably would not agree at that moment for the sake of just being there and being able to help the people and the team Mm. to go through this moment and be able to keep defending what I believed. Right. Yeah. So this was my two biggest fights in the Two situations. The first situation, because I would have to leave my team, I almost didn't accept the position in Rush. And the second, I just gave in very quickly for my team not to be in this damage of discussions and conflicts in the moment that I was leaving. Mm. So, yeah, I could have been a little more there to defend everything and everybody can have more patience or whatever. But I think that there is something inside that tells you what to do. If you are doing things with purpose and you are kind of connected with your consciousness, 
you will know what you have to do. Yeah. And you don't have any kind of bitterness or regret about the decisions that you've taken, you know, in reaction to the disappointments that you encountered. You feel that it's... Even, that even the, no, the contrary. Penny, I tell you, I tell you, for my children's sake, yeah. I meditate with two persons that were like the trigger of my biggest changes. I meditate for them to be as happy as I am and for them to find themselves as much as I found because of them. Because of them, yeah, yeah. Because our biggest obstacles and challenges in our lives, our biggest lessons. I think Our blessings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's sometimes the most difficult things that you've ever encountered. A, are the biggest learning and lessons that you get, but also the greatest shifts of change that you can make in your life. And it sounds like you're very grateful for the changes that have happened. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. That's fantastic. So do you feel, and probably this question is irrelevant. Do you feel that you were ever felt that you had to compromise or were silenced or were put down because you were a woman in the workplace? You know, Penny, it's the second time in my life that somebody asked this question. The first time I told no. But then it was like probably six or seven years ago that somebody asked it and I told no. But right now, looking back, because of the way that I am, that I see always the positive in things. Mm. And because also the family, like my mother was Japanese and the Japanese tradition is a lot of uh, avoiding conflict. No, it's not avoiding conflict, but living in peace. Living in peace. Yeah, and and, and a lot of women have this same print. Yes. Not just Japanese uh, women. And there were not one, two times. There were like thousand times that I have just to shut up. Because I remember even, I tell you something very funny. There was one super meeting that was all of the general managers. And our boss, he wanted to train us in unconscious bias. And they brought a trainer to train us on it. And I was, I think at the time, the only GM, female GM. No, no, me and another colleague. It was the only two female GMs at that time, in that meeting. There were other females that were from other positions, but GMs were just us. And then this lady tells that the women are three times more interrupted than men. And that also males tend to finish phrases of woman and get the accomplishment of the thought or the idea because they agree with the women and they put in their words ideas of women. So she was telling something like this and she was telling that during the whole day she would like us proactively that each time that a woman would be interrupted that they just stopped it. And then it was like, and after one hour, the men were feeling very strange because they got to observe how many times they interrupted the women and how the women could not talk unless they were aggressive. And I remember that a phrase that I used to repeat a lot, Penny, a lot, is that, okay, let me just finish and then you go. This was a phrase that I learned as any position that I had that it was like more men than women, but yeah. all of them. <laughs> so yeah. all, all the time. That all of them. So I that. <laughs> and this phrase was like, please let me finish and then you go. Or 
please do not interrupt me. Let me just finish my idea. You know, so it's like, I remember that I was told aggressive. I was told being aggressive because I asked people not to interrupt me. (laughs) 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 Because by the end, and it's terrible because at least in my era, (laughs) when I had to face this, you had to be aggressive in a nice way. So sometimes I told, okay, let me finish. So, so, So I, and when I didn't have patience, I was just kind of, sorry, but fed up. You know, yeah. end of the day. Okay, let me just finish. Yeah. But how many times people, they just, no, but you know what? And then I just, okay. And this is a very small example. Yeah. Yeah. This is a very small example because of course, how many times I had an idea and I had something and I had just to step back. But this is woman and man, everybody. <laughs> but I wanted to give the example of interrupting because it was a very clear, proven example of that moment that I can bring here for everybody also to observe how many times women are interrupted and men are interrupted. Yeah. And why do women become very aggressive when they are in the power position among men is because of their nature, because women are more aggressive as leaders or because they have to keep their space have to keep in it. the conversation. So yeah. I don't know what is the answer, but I would like everybody to observe it. Okay, very good. So yeah, I think you're expressing the view of many, many women. And, you know, it's just the norm that we have had to live in, in order to fight for our space, to fight for our time, in order to express ourselves and to express our views. So thank you very much for doing that. So I think I have only one more question to ask you. And, you know, we're doing these interviews really not just for ourselves, but for other women, particularly perhaps some younger women who would like to sort of listen to someone who has gone before them and has won some space for themselves in the world. So if I was to ask you, what three lessons or pieces of advice would you give women today who are either at the start or midway through their career? Um, drawn from your experience? So I would probably give the example that I would base on my experience, that the question that you had before. So the first thing is build your life based on people that believe in you and just learn from people that do not believe in you. So there will be both people in your life and it's your choice which one to focus, which one to make it the bigger part of your life. So take the people that believe in you, being it a parent, being it a sibling, a boss, but look a lot at people that believe in you. Mm -hmm. People that put you down, they are also important. You should not just give up on them or, but it's very important that you do not live for these people. You listen to them, you learn from them. They feed your learning, but they do not feed your ego. So this is super important. So this would be one lesson that I would give. The second would be really do not try to find a work-life balance. Look at your life at its integrality. Mm -hmm. So... Do not try to find a balance between work and life, mainly because we women, we cannot have it. We cannot have it anyway, because uh, 
you always, always have a time that if, for example, if you decide to get married, you will have to take care of your husband. And when the husband is taking care of their wives, it's beautiful, it's caring, they are better bosses because they take care of their wives. But a woman, it's like, oh, she's submissive. Mm. Or it's like, it's different perspective. And when you have children, even more, you will have to give time to your children. And you have to see your life and find balance in your life. Know that there is a period of your life that you do not have such a big commitment in your private life. So you dedicate to your professional life. Mm-hmm. But thinking on your private life and giving the space for it to emerge. When you have a very big commitment in your private life, be sure that you had used very well your time that you were dedicating to the profession, not to tell that you were super powerful and that you can do everything, but to find the right net of support and finding people that can work with you. So you will be supported when you have to find the balance on the other side. But your life will be a balance where certain points you will dedicate more to your profession, another to your private, and it is okay if this will take five, six years or even 10 years that you have to have a balance that is more professional or more private, each one will know. But be sure that you are doing all of this because of the third lesson. Right. That you know the meaning, the purpose that you have in your life. Even when you're getting married, you are building a family or you're changing a company, you were not doing because you want to avoid something, because you were uh, frustrated. Be sure that whatever you are doing, even if it is being born from a frustration or unhappiness, that whatever you decide and you do will be focused on something that has meaning in your life and in your purpose. Because then it will be much easier for you to find people that believe in you and find this balance in your life. So it would be these three lessons that I would give. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. It's amazing, actually, because it feels like we've had a circular conversation because this is where we started, the meaning and purpose of your life and where we first engaged in our conversations. And those are really excellent three pieces of advice that I can see that you've come to because of your life and the approach that you've taken. So, you know, congratulations on the impact that you've made in the world already and the changes that you have given to the many people that you've led in your career. And I'm sure they're incredibly grateful that they had the opportunity to work with you. And I had uh, very good people that came in my life in the right time to tell me that I am doing the things in the right way and to share their way so I could learn. People like you, Penny. Thank you a lot. (laughs) Thank you, Lara. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a phenomenal interview and I really appreciated all the wisdom that you brought to bear. I love the conversation. Thank you so much, Penny. Thank you for listening to Standing in Her Power Global. What has been your biggest takeaway from this conversation? Please join our Facebook group, to give us your feedback and engage in the discussions there. Share this episode with others who may be interested. Thank you for listening and we'll meet again in the next episode of Standing in Her Power Global.